that book was talked about on the playground. There's something a little off-putting, but that's why it's so fascinating. You had to sign up a couple weeks in advance if you wanted to get them. Everybody knew these stories. And it was always a subject of dares. Like, I dare you to check out the book. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 209. Available on Video On Demand on May 7 is Scary Stories, an insightful and fascinating delve into the influence and impact of the popular series of children's books written by Alvin Schwartz that is also one of the most challenged and banned books to be published due to complaints by parents of its macabre, grisly nature. Featuring interviews with the likes of author R.L. Stein and members of Schwartz's family, Scary Movies is an informative and entertaining exploration into one of the most controversial books to be released. Joining me now to talk about Scary Movies is the film's director, Cody Merrick. Cody, I thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So, I guess the first question I have is that this is your feature film uh, debut. So what was it about the books, these books by Alan Schwartz that really kind of spoke to you and made you want to delve into it deeper and kind of represent not only his life's work, but a very influential, impactful book to a lot of different artists out there? Well, first and foremost, I mean, I was looking to do my first film, first full-length documentary. I've done a lot of, you know, uh, short-form web stuff. And um, really, ultimately, you want a topic where you can open a lot of doors, right? You can kind of see, okay, I can go down this route, and there's a lot of interesting things there. I can go down this route, and there's a lot of interesting things there, and so on and so forth. So very early on, I, I had the idea I wanted to do, really, first and foremost, a documentary that ha- was about the importance of children's literature and literacy, really, and getting kids reading, right? Um, but you want to... You wanna, hinge that on a particular you know topic a particular you know uh perspective and um i i certainly grew up with these books um i i remember them fondly i'm i'm of a certain age where like when the third book came out back in 1991 i was 11 years old i was like <laughs> that was the ideal age that's when a lot of people the ki- kids who were picking up these w- books were around that age so um i definitely you know, I, I thought of these books and said, "Wow, there's a story there. I'm I, I can open a lot of doors. It's it's all based in folklore and urban legend, so there's a lot to explore there. A lot of uh, a lot of stories um, I could see online and everywhere. People talking about these books were interested in them, and often said these were the books that got them reading. Right? So so the, right there, you, you could kind of look at those things as well as the illustrations that have become very. Uh, influential for a lot of artists um so you kind of take that and then you add the censorship piece you you know it was the most challenged book of the 1990s and remained in the top 10 uh between 2000 and 2009 so uh you know you've got arguably the most challenged book of the last 40 years along with the fact that it's wildly popular there's a story (laughs) you know i mean that you juxtapose those things together it's like okay there's there's a story to tell there uh i there's a lot like i said there's a lot of doors to open up so i could just you know like i said very early on kind of see okay there's a lot to work with here so yeah how important was it to get alvin schwartz's family involved in the documentary um because i imagine they 
people reach out to them all the time in regards to a lot of things regarding these uh, these these series of books based on 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 the very same reasons that you said right then. Um, and, and what was it like when you first reached out to them? Um, was it a case of, oh, look, another person wanted to do something about, you know, uh, our, 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 my husband's or my dad's work? Or was it a case of, you know, this guy's got a real good angle here and I think we should go along with him and, and maybe something good could come out of it? It, it was definitely important, you know, anytime you take on a topic, um, you know, a, a IP, intellectual property, whatever title it is, um, you want to have some kind of access, right? You want to be able to, you know, get, you know, come come at it with information that isn't already out there somewhere, right? So, um, so it was very important for me to to get the Schwartz family involved, and they were they uh, how it worked is, I mean, I this, you know, I crowdfunded it pretty early on in the process, uh, and um, they they reached out to me and said. This is a great angle. They really, I, I think, more than anything, they kind of appreciated the the censorship piece to kind of use this book series as as an opportunity to kind of you know address that issue and talk about that issue and raise awareness about it. And so they were just they were on board from the very start and really liked it. And you know they saw Kai have a, a bit of a background both in literacy and, and child development and that sort of thing. So I think they, that really spoke to them saying, okay, you know, the, it, yes, it's a big horror title and that's great. And someone out there could have just interviewed a lot of people in the horror, you know, world um but i didn't do too much of that i uh, even with authors i chose children's uh, authors of scary literature and particularly uh children's literature that were publishing back in that time during the 80s and 90s so i have rl stein i have ql pierce i have bruce coville i have a number of other authors that you know there was a particular time frame that i thought found to be interesting as far as the 80s and 90s whenever the scary children's genre kind of I don't know had a little bit of a renaissance type thing and that's when goosebumps become became a, like a worldwide phenomenon type thing is is during that time period and that's what that's what these books were from so anyways um yeah it was very important to me for for the shorts family and like I said it was I think it they appreciated the direction I was going which wasn't you know it, it was. We definitely had fun, fun with the horror genre, no doubt, with this documentary. But at the same time, I think they liked some of the other things I brought to the table. Something I really liked about the the documentary is that you really did do a good job in showing the influence and impact that this had on so many different musicians and artists and writers, and so many other type of, of people in different parts of, of, of and impacts they had on their life. Um, reaching out to to, to those. That, that sector of the community. Um, is that something that came through also from the crowdfunding? Was that kind of like the crowdfunding almost seemed like, like an open invitation for people to reach out to you and say, hey, this meant quite a bit to me. This is my work. You reckon, do you think you can, you know, uh, I can participate in some kind of way? Sure. Um, crowdfunding, but uh, social media, honestly, more than anything, and which is an ex- a little bit of an extension of the crowdfunding. But um, but I've been very active on social media for years now. I mean, we're talking a documentary it took four to five years to complete. Um, you know, I've been active 
throughout and and so an extension of just kind of always or often talking about these pop books and their influence resulted in sharing something what this person had done or someone sharing me a tattoo of one of the illustrations that they have and so on and so forth so it just um it 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 was that was almost one of the easier parts <laughs> because be, because there were so many of them you know so so many people influenced and um you know and to some degree it was it's kind of perfect timing because um enough time has passed all the people that are maybe close to my age in their you know mid 30s late 30s um maybe 40s so on and so forth that they're all grown up now they're looking back at their childhood and we can we can now see you know uh people who grew up in the 80s and 90s with these books what are they now you know and they're musicians they're artists they're writers they're all kinds of things i joke about you know not too many of um, became suicidal maniacs, right? <laughs> you know, and that's that's what a lot of parents had some kind of weird fear that you know um, uh, that now we're all of us are going to be Satanists or something or cults or whatever. You know, we're going to worship Satan because we read these books when we were you know eight, nine, ten years old. And uh, as you can see in the documentary, that's not exactly how it worked out. Well, it's interesting you brought that up because. We're, um, we're you and I of the, of the same age, we come from the same generation. You know, I, mean, I remember vividly, um, not necessarily the outcry to, to these books, but I remember the satanic panic that actually happened during like the 80s of that time because I had a older, older brother who was into heavy metal, and at that time heavy metal music was very controversial and all these different conspiracies about messages in music and subliminal messaging for mm. kids and or, or whoever to do bad things. And it almost seemed like during that era... Now, all these different things were kind of uh, different conspiracies and different types of uh, controversies um, in regards to um, music or, or books or movies. Um, you had the, the video nasty area around the same time as well. All these things were happening at the same time. Do you think that uh, perhaps it was maybe because of the changing nature of technology at the time, um, things becoming much more accessible? Um, and because of that, maybe some parents didn't know how to handle it because when they were younger, their parents didn't have to go through the same thing that, that perhaps they went through. Sure, sure. I mean, I think it's uh, it's a confluence of a lot of things. I mean, yes, I definitely touch on kind of the satanic panic type of thing that was uh, – uh, seemed to be a thing in the 80s and 90s. Uh, no doubt that's what, you know, oftentimes people who write books about censorship, they look at different eras and oftentimes see, okay, it kind of corresponds to all these other things that were going in going on in society at that particular time. And then it morphs. And, you know, these books aren't exactly challenged the way they used to be. Um, and now it's other titles and for different reasons, and you know, and uh, and they tend to be a reflection on uh, you know society as a whole. Technology, no doubt, had had a a, a bit uh, was probably you know had something to do with it. Um, I think. Oh, you know, the the illustrations a lot of people point to, and I'm sure that mm. was a big part of it too, right? To some degree, it's like that's a very visual, like even though parents would often look to the you know specific things that happen in the stories violence so on and so forth as you know the reason behind it would they have 
spent the time to really notice it if it hadn't been for these illustrations that jumped out at them and said, wow, the, the, these are – they're beautiful illustrations, but at the same time, they're, <laughs> they're really in your face, right? And, and, uh, um, and they really catch the eye. And so, um, you know, and then on, on top of that, I think I, I actually say more than anything, the one factor that probably had to do with – you know, uh, parents, you know, challenging these books more than any other uh, had to do with their popularity. I mean, honestly, we wouldn't be talking about these books and their censorship cases if it weren't for the fact that they were wildly popular. All the kids were reading them, or I say all, a lot of kids were reading them. They were getting passed around, you know, on the the playground and so on. They were being talked about. They were in our, uh, they were prominent in our scholastic book orders when we were growing up. Uh, You know, we wouldn't be talking about them and parents wouldn't be, you know, have problems with them if they weren't so, you know, popular and and, uh, kids didn't really want to have them. Speaking of those illustrations, uh, Stephen Gamble, he's such a notor- um, uh, a um, he's a figure it's very hard to interview. People can't reach out to him or anything like that. Um, what's inter- really interesting about his work is that there was a reissue of these books not long ago, and they did it with whole new illustrations. They didn't have Stephen Gamble's illustrations in there. And to me, that's almost like re-releasing Jaws without the shark or The Exorcist <laughs> without uh, Linda Blair. It just doesn't work, you know? Um when, it, when, when that happened, you are a big fan of the books. So you understand the influence of it. Were you thinking, what the hell are these people trying to do here? Because, you know, I can understand the illustrations, people having a reaction to it. But the illustrations, I think, complement the writings uh, so well. And the biggest re- one of the biggest reasons why, as you said before, why this book is not only an A, controversial, but B, why it's so great in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, no doubt it comes down to just there being a... a I mean, I I can sympathize with the publisher partially because I just can imagine there's a disconnect. They don't know. I mean, you know, yeah, they, they know a book is popular. That doesn't mean they have the know the ins and outs of why it is popular and and what it means to a lot of people. There was no at the time there wasn't a documentary, you know, telling them. The, the you know the illustrations in my documentary it's an hour and 25 minute documentary roughly a third of it is devoted to the illustrations i didn't have a documentary to look at and see how wildly popular these were um they didn't have an, a, a film adaptation that's coming out that's using you know the illustrations as a blueprint for how to do these monsters and and that sort of thing i mean they didn't have that so then they couldn't you know and this was years ago um uh, I want to say 2011, and so uh, you know, at the time they just—I I can imagine—they didn't really get it, and now they do, and so they have since done another re-release. They actually—I mean, now that the adaptation's coming out, they're, they're of course doing uh, re-releases that tie into the to, to the adaptation and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But they also have done—they did just—I uh, want to say two summers ago—they did a re-release, and it proudly says on the front cover now with with the original Stephen Gamble illustrations and so uh so you know like I said I I I just can't imagine there was people making decisions that didn't quite get it right and and like I said you know I can't uh, it's hard to blame them because you know they just didn't know I think I think it's really interesting how Whenever a piece of art is banned, it increases, it just rises. I mean, it's the, the forbidden fruit kind of thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. I remember when I was a kid, 
just things that scared me just fascinated me to such a degree that I was never kind of repulsed by it. I tried to seek even more of it. And I think the first thing that I, I first thing that I remember that scared me, I remember, of course, do you, you know, remember the TV show, The Monsters from like way, way, way back? Yep. Mm-hmm. So uh, there was a rerun of that and the, um, the Frankenstein figure in, in that, in that show, um, even though it was a comedic show, it scared me. Um, but it also opened up this, this fascination I had with monsters of that kind of ilk, those kind of classic universal ones, the Draculas and such. And whenever I get the chance, whenever I went to a library, I seeked out those books. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, my question to you, uh, Cody, is that do you remember the first thing that scared you? And why do you think that the things that scare us intrigue us to such an extent that we want more of it? Oh, gosh. <laughs> that's, a, that's a tricky one. I mean... Uh, <coughs> Um, uh, oh gosh why do we love horror you know I mean no doubt I mean what I find interesting is most of the time our love of horror starts in childhood right I mean you know it's that first really scary movie or scary book that we read and 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 it entices us and and I mean uh, you know, same reason we like a roller coaster, you know, I mean, mm. not everyone likes roller coasters and not everyone likes horror. Um, but, uh, but many of us do. And that, that love usually starts in childhood. Right. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I remember seeing scary movies. Uh, books, uh, scary movies at a at a very early age. I remember reading not just these, but I read R.L. Stein and a lot of other scary uh, children's authors. And then by the time I was in middle school, I mean I was reading Stephen King full those big giant Stephen King novels and stuff. Um, so, um, but early on, I mean, oh gosh, I remember uh, I remember watching uh, Nightmare on Elm Street at a very young age. Yes, and. It being, it, uh, I found it very imaginative. I mean, you know, yes, it's a boogeyman, and yes, it's it's it was incredibly scary at at, at a certain age. But at the same time, um, it, you know, it opened up all kinds of you know uh, possibilities as far as the imagination and how a boogeyman can get you. Right? It's not just you know. Uh, someone you know coming to your doorstep. It's it's someone who's getting into your mind, you know. And uh, I I I remember, and that to some that has remained kind of my favorite franchise to this day. Is is you know, um, uh, and and again, it, f- f- me personally, it had to do with like I was attracted to imaginative stories, right? And horror is it can be very imaginative and very creative, and and that attracts me you know um but yeah i mean you know you you get under the hood of okay why do we like horror at all um i i think it is it's a little bit of an extension of like i said why we like roller coasters you know which is excitement and um it's intriguing and and it it it's something that you know uh, maybe touches on something that we can't experience in real life. We, we, you know, we don't have the, 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 uh, the surge of, of a killing anyone, hopefully, or B running from anyone who's trying to kill them, but this is an outlet. Right. And um, yeah, uh, it's, it's a, it oftentimes a very fun outlet, but it's also an outlet that, you know, often teaches us something and that's that's where i get into a bit with the documentary is talking about folklore and scary folklore and how oftentimes it's a reflection on on society in all kinds of different ways um final question here cody 
A couple, uh, I think it was a year or so ago, I, uh, I watched a uh, documentary about um, jokes, telling jokes, um, the art of joke telling. And I think that's kind of like in parallel of like telling kind of like a scary story. It's a kind of like a communal thing you're, you're sharing an experience and it's a verbal kind of thing. Um, and when I went to this documentary, the filmmaker was talking about how he's lamenting the fact that these days, a younger generation don't tell jokes anymore. They share a video online. They share a meme. It's all about sharing things. It's not about talking to anyone anymore. Well, at least by his experience anyway. When it comes to scary stories, do you think the traditional telling of scary stories that where it used to be a couple of friends over at a, at a sleepover or maybe at a campfire, is that on the way out? Are we now in the generation of, say, the generation of the Slender Man where sharing a video or sharing a meme has overtaken uh, the traditional ways of sharing stories? Or do you still think that there is still a very healthy appetite for people, especially young people, to get together, share stories like this? Um, what are your experiences with, uh, with that in, in, when you were making your documentary? Uh, I mean, admittedly, I tend to be a bit of an optimist in in some ways, which is, and not entirely optimistic, but at the same time, I tend to think things don't change that much. The medium changes, but but you know, um, but our interest in in uh, telling stories as well as adapting stories and telling them in different ways. It, it has different mediums. Maybe we're 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 uh, telling them on YouTube rather than um, uh, around a campfire uh, more than we used to. Um, that said, you could argue it's still storytelling and it's still there's still a lot of good use. I mean, you said meme. Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> there's a lot of memes out there, but uh, you know, uh, th- there's also creative uses of memes, and there's also creative. I mean, there's a, you know, I talk a lot about folk tales and and how that's passed from generation generation to generation well now we have we we tell stories from generation to generation it's it's done in a lot of different ways and different mediums um but it's still storytelling and still um adapting an old story and then telling it your own way and uh um you know the uh you know technology kind of uh, to some degree helps us uh, helps it to survive right I mean uh, the illustrations kind of for, for these books have taken a life of their own to some degree because they're being passed around on the internet and and people are adapting them into the you know and and doing their own rendition and so on and so forth and 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 uh, I think that's and, and the Schwartz family they uh, they were, have been very supportive of people saying you know what you know the uh, these books have a life of their own you know and and that's what makes them interesting this the illustrations is the same thing you know they have a life of their own and and they they you know people adapting them and telling them in different ways is is kind of the point right and that's what Alvin Schwartz said in the in the very first book in the uh, the Introduction. He talked about how to tell a story and ha- and and uh, how to tell it well, and how you can adapt a story in different ways to make it even scarier than than what was told before. Because guess what? Uh, this happened to my cousin who just lives two streets down, mm. and it, it and it could happen to you, and so on and so forth. I'm going to tell it a different way because I'm going to incorporate you and what you know and what I know and where we live and and. And, oh, you know, this happened just in, you know, you know, that town, you know, 20 miles away. It happened there. 
doesn't that make it scarier than than something that you know you you don't quite understand uh, if if you describe it as something that just happened nearby and so on and so forth? I mean, the, you know, there's there's um, that's a way for the you know the folklore, the urban legends, the stories themselves to you know continue to have a life is because they're being retold in different ways uh you know and i've got an eight-year-old and yes you know it's different now because rather than writing short stories like i used to when i was a kid he wants a youtube channel (laughs) okay but what are you gonna do there okay you're you know maybe he's telling stories maybe he's he's you know uh, expressing himself, it's a different medium, but um, it could still be a positive thing, you know. Well, for everyone listening out there, Scary Stories comes out on video demand May 7. It's a, it's a very informative and entertaining uh, documentary uh, about a series of books that really, I think, really gripped a, a generation um, and many generations after that. But I think specific to when those books came out, there's a legacy there and there's an influence there that has just permeated and you mentioned before there's going to be a feature film adaptation as well so i think this is definitely time to be in the scary uh, stories business and uh, i just want to congratulate you uh, congratulate you again uh coney for uh, cody for the uh, movie um it's you did really great work here um really delve into a lot of different facets i think a lot of people wouldn't even think of so for everyone out there listening do check it out when it comes out video on demand and cody i thank you very much for joining me on the podcast Thank you. Thank you for having me.